From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'll be talking about the future of citizen media and media in general with one of the experts, Dan Gilmore. Dan is the Kaufman Professor of Digital Media Entrepreneurship at Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. He is also Director of Arizona State's Knight Center for Citizen Media. In 2004, he published a book called We the Media, Grassroots Journalism by the People for the People, and is working on his second book now. By the way, audience, great book. If you haven't picked it up, uh, We the Media was one of the precursors of everything that's happening now. In addition to his work in academia, Dan is involved in several outside projects. He co-founded Doppler, an online travel application, and has made investments in a number of organizations, including an online video site called Seismic. Dan is also on several boards and advisory boards, including the nonprofit company Global Voices Online and Wikia, a consumer Wikia com- wiki company. Dan spent almost 25 years in the newspaper business. I think it was partly at the Merck News, right, Dan? That was for about 11 years, yeah, as a columnist. If I remember right. And now keeps a personal blog at uh, Dan Gilmore, D-I-N-G-I-L-L-M-O-R.com. Welcome to Market Edge, Dan. I'm glad to be with you. Hey, Dan, before we go into what you're sort of doing now, take a step back for our audience and you know, um, you know, before there was, uh, you know, I was on Amazon last night. There must be a hundred books now on social media and sort of the the new media agenda. Give us a little bit of Dan Gilmore's sort of eagle eye point of view of when this all sort of started happening. When did the real decline of of, of newspapers and the change of changing way we communicate with one another really start from your perspective? Well, the uh, those are separate questions in a sense, but I would say the, the decline of uh, newspapers uh, probably started uh, on the day that they became uh, so profitable that you couldn't lose money even if you tried with yeah. a, a local daily paper. <clears throat> and when... Uh, simultaneously, the uh, internet was starting to uh, get going in a serious way. There was, that was really about the same time. The business <clears throat> is in decline because advertising is being systematically separated from the journalism that it has uh, supported in the past half century. Uh, so that's that's the reason for the decline and its. Uh, if you care about great journalism, that's very troubling in some senses, but it's just reality. And the uh, <clears throat> the industry uh, did almost no R&D <clears throat> of, of any serious kind 
either in business models or in journalism, though that latter part has changed. And the uh, and the and Wall Street and uh, investors generally decided to maximize profits for the short and medium term, and <clears throat> that's caused uh, the very difficult problem of trying to transition from a monopoly business <clears throat> to a business in a hyper-competitive market where the competitors are uh, faster-moving and, uh, in, in business sense, more competent. So it's a tough, tough thing. The democratization of media, that's the larger topic you're talking about, <clears throat> does go back. Uh, it goes back a long way. I mean, at each step when a new medium has come along, <clears throat> there's been a, uh, a, a sense of taking it out of the uh, control of certain people. So <clears throat> if you go back even to the Gutenberg Bible, the word of God was liberated from the control of the priests. Right. And that's, that's actually a pretty big deal. Uh, right. And you go forward to each new medium, there's at some level a democratizing uh, piece of it, <clears throat> though broadcast and really a lot of media have trended toward dominant, if not monopoly positions or oligopoly positions in marketplaces. But uh, the real change was the Internet coming along, which is a many-to-many -many medium, <clears throat> and that is a uh, process that we're really only in the early stages of, but it is uh, absolutely the most important shift in media of any sort since the Gutenberg Bible. I, I would concur with you that. Before I ask you some things about what you're doing out in Arizona, um, you know, maybe you could, uh, you know, talk a, a little bit about, um, you know, some of the stories behind your first book uh, and, and why you wrote it and sort of, uh, you know, what it's about just for those people that haven't read your book. And please go out and buy it on Amazon after the interview, gang. <laughs> uh, I'd be happy if people do it. I I should point out uh, <clears throat> that it's also available and has been from the day it was published uh, online at no, at no cost uh, in a PDF format. We uh, made a conscious decision to publish it under a Creative Commons license uh, that instead of all rights reserved is a some rights reserved license. And, <clears throat> of course, we'd prefer that you buy it, but you don't have to. So... Uh, I, I, it's very important to me. I, we've abused copyright so much in our country and, and around the world. Uh, the Creative Commons, to me, is a, a project that is restoring some balance in a system that, that is grossly uh, unbalanced in favor of copyright holders. The book came, apart, uh, came about really because I, I was doing stuff in my job and personally for a long time that made me realize uh, there was a pretty fundamental shift going on in the way I, as a journalist, was uh, working and, and, and being uh, part of a conversation, uh, not a lecture anymore. <clears throat> and I should say I've been online since the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, got reasonably early understanding, or at least in my own mind, understanding of why online communities 
were so valuable and could uh, help all of us learn things more easily. The, uh, in the mid-'90s, when I went to work for the San Jose Mercury News, <clears throat> and I was writing about technology uh, for people in Silicon Valley. Well, that led me to a fairly quick realization, which was that my readers knew a lot more than I did. <laughs> and that, of course, even back then, they all had uh, email and were not very, they were not shy at all about telling me how much more they knew than I did. <laughs> uh, but that, after the momentary, uh, oh my God moment, there was a, oh my God, this is great. And I was realizing that this was going to be so much better for my journalism. And uh, it turned out to be great for my career, too, but that, that's really incidental. The, the notion that the sources who had been in the Rolodex or uh, people who were famous or who called, called media to talk and we would listen, that suddenly the whole community could, if, if they wanted to, and quite a few of them did, could be part of the work. And that led me to the you know, sort of obvious corollary, which clarified in my mind after the wonderful book, Clue Train Manifesto, right. uh, where that begins, markets are conversations. And I realized when I read that, I said, oh, wow, journalism is a conversation. It's not a lecture anymore, at least if we do it right. And, and news, in a larger sense, is a conversation. So that led to a blog I believe the first blog written by a daily journalist. I'm, I never say that with certainty because you always wrong if you claim to be first. Well, I don't but, remember when, and I, I'm a pretty big student of this as well from the late 70s onward, so, and, and I don't remember another journalist having a blog before yours, I noticed. So anyway, uh, well, we'll I, go I, along I'm with always it cautious about, I'm cautious about claiming to be first for anything. That, <clears throat> that's, that's always dangerous. But getting it going early, <clears throat> deepening that conversation. Uh, <clears throat> and then finally, I realized <clears throat> one day when um, I didn't realize I should, I should actually give credit where due, uh, I gave a talk at a uh, conference, the uh, O'Reilly Emerging Technology Conference, and I called it Journalism 3.0. And after the talk, a friend of mine came up and said, so when's the book coming out? This is 2002, I believe. <laughs> and I looked at him, and the light went off in my brain, too, that, oh, my, wow, this, this is a really good book topic. And uh, <clears throat> so that's, that's how the book came about. And it, it's just been a great ride all the way through with uh, plenty of ups and downs. But uh, the, the joy of all this and, and <clears throat> the, the best part of it is that we all keep learning. You know, to that point, what are some of the things you're working on at Arizona State, Senator, for Citizen Media? Is it, you know, a broad range of topics, or are you focusing in on a, a few things that are going to impact, uh, really, media in the future? Well, let me uh, slightly correct uh, what you had said earlier in your very kind introduction. The, uh, yep. <clears throat> the Knight Center for Digital Media Entrepreneurship which is at Arizona State, the, the uh, Cronkite School of Journalism, is uh, that's now my primary gig. I also am still doing the Center for Citizen Media, and it's not the Knight Center for Citizen Media, though they've 
did a, they have supported a little bit of the work there. Um, <clears throat> uh, and that's affiliated with Arizona State and with the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard. Oh, sure, John mm-hmm. Palfrey's group. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that, that's been focused on, as you would expect, citizen media and um, citizen journalism in particular, trying to help that whole uh, movement take, take shape in, a, in, I hope, a, a way that will be good for everybody. The Knight Center for Digital Media Entrepreneurship is uh, fundamentally about a single idea, and that idea is that uh, we want to help students not just imagine that they could invent their own jobs, but actually help them do it. And to and, and there are some obvious reasons for that. One of which is they may have to, right? So the process in there is with the with the uh, we we have a class where we do a class project and work with them on outposts of digital media, <clears throat> plus uh, <clears throat> teaching them about what startups are like in entrepreneurship. Uh, my colleague who we uh, who's just come here from Silicon Valley is named C.J. Cornell, uh, who is our entrepreneur residence and professor of digital media, is. Uh, He's much better on the business side of startups and entrepreneurship than I am. I'm, I'm more focused to the journalism side. But we, uh, our mandate, and we, we have two funders at the moment, Knight Foundation and the Kaufman Foundation, the mandate is to, uh, I'm, this is simplifying it, but do lots of cool projects and yeah. see if we can get some stuff going uh, not if we can, but if the students can, and we'll help them, uh, and and see what see what works, and just experiment like crazy. So I'm, it, it's it's wonderful uh, to watch uh, these bright students imagine themselves with their own businesses. Sounds like you're doing for journalism and media what Negroponte did with the Media Lab for uh, for advanced technologies. So it, it, it sounds. Really I, I should. I, I, I need to. I'm always careful again about. I, I don't think it's me doing it, and I'm following on. <clears throat> I'm standing on the shoulders of many, many other people, and <clears throat> there's a. Uh, it, it's not completely new, though it's uh, certainly not common to work with journalism students on being. Entrepreneurial. Uh, Jeff Jarvis at City University of New York in uh, New York City right. has been teaching a class in entrepreneurship for journalism students for the last year. Uh, I would, I would say he is, uh, is is someone you would want to talk to about this too. He's he's really got some great ideas, and uh, I admire his work enormously. So again, I'm far from alone. I hope that we're going to help. And Jeff uh, has promised to be on the show, so we'll let you know I'm, uh, as soon as uh, we have him booked. Uh, good guy, good friend. Um, Dan Gilmore, we're going to take a short break right now and audience, uh, so please stand by, and we'll be right back with Dan, uh, expert on many things, citizen journalism, uh, social media, and currently doing some work on his second book uh, while helping out at Arizona State. So we'll be right back with more at Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. 
SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah, GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more? I see you working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM and... They will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Get out your spray paint and put your graffiti on our wall. Get all the details on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Dan Gilmore, uh, the Kaufman Professor of Digital Media Entrepreneurship at Arizona State and um, author and former journalist uh, with a great book that came out about four years ago, We the Media, Grassroots Journalism by the People and for the People, and Dan's currently working on his second book. Hey, Dan, we were in, before the break, we were talking a little bit. We were starting to edge in on journalism education a bit. I can't help but I was at a, a very well-known, uh, which will go unnamed for now, a very well-known journalism school in New York City uh, a few months back, and I was surprised when we were looking at the curriculum that there was still a lot of very traditional um, uh, courses, and you know, maybe I'm missing something, but you know, there was there was still newspaper writing. There was still maybe it's because this is fundamental. Great journalism just hasn't changed. Just the distribution and the speed. Or tell me, is there really some fundamental changes in the way journalism happens? And also the additional question that I started with: Where is real journalism education headed? 
Well, let me <clears throat> let me guess that the name of that school starts with a C. Yeah, it just might. <laughs> um, don't don't. I wouldn't put too much emphasis on the name of the classes because um, uh, I know that they're making some pretty dramatic changes too. The my, my my sense of this in general is that the uh, the principles. Uh, the principles of journalism, of, of of doing good journalism, are not changing. Although I think we need to uh, to be adding one or two to those. But when I say the principles, I'm talking about <clears throat> things that every journalist would agree to. Of, um, of of any kind of journalism we consider in the traditional mode, and those would be uh, uh, thoroughness. You know, do a lot of homework uh, accuracy get it right right fairness uh, don't uh, don't don't tilt the uh, uh, you know don't tilt the scale um, unless you're explicitly clear that you're doing that um, uh, independence and that means more independent of thinking uh, because no one's fully independent of one's uh, uh, employer, one's background, one's biases, uh, and that leads to, and then those are the four that I think most people would agree to as traditional. A new one I think we need in this century, and that I think schools should also be adding to their instruction for journalists, is transparency. And that right. is to give the audience, who, by the way, are becoming part of a conversation, not just you tol- telling them stuff, uh, but give them... Um, a, as clear as possible a sense of who you are and why you're doing this and what's in it for you. Uh, if that if that were done, and, and I don't mean it to be like some of the more radical ideas like that, for example, I do not believe that reporters necessarily need to uh, you know, say what political party they might be a member of or who they voted for or what religious affiliation. Um, I do think it's actually relevant, for example, with a religious affiliation, if you're covering religion or writing about religion. That's a that that seems to me a relevant bit of information to right. help an audience make some decisions. People are perfectly capable of refracting the this kind of knowledge. Through uh, that, through a lens in their own minds, and getting somewhere close to a sense of whether they can trust you or not, and it, whether they can trust you or not depends on so much more than transparency. It depends on the quality of your work, and if you do all those other things, then add transparency. Uh, people are going to. They may not agree with you. They may, uh, yeah, and you will certainly make mistakes. We all do, but people will be more comfortable that you're trying really hard to do things right. And those are, uh, I think, kind of fundamental. And journalism schools could teach those for journalists of any sort. And, in fact, since we are all becoming media creators at some level, not just consumers, it seems to me that those principles work pretty well for everybody in the media creation they do in, in general. 
and, and in fact, what we're talking about is uh, central to the new book that I'm working on. Oh, good. We'll, we'll hopefully get to that a little. I'd like to go a little more deeply in the uh, at the end of the the interview into your vision for the upcoming book. But a couple quick on uh, quick questions on current journalism. Um, what do you think of the efforts by the major broadcast networks to, in, at least in their words, encourage citizen journalism, like CNN's I Report? Um, you know, is this the right direction? Do you think, or is this just a sort of a bridging to 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 major changes in the way broadcast networks uh, perform? I'm. I, I think anything that brings the people in what had been the audience into the conversation <clears throat> about journalism and even to contributing to the journalism or doing the journalism um, is a good thing. <clears throat> now, there's, there are good ways and bad ways to do it. And uh, I report on CNN got uh, badly burned uh, by, by a, a fake report a few weeks ago. The, there are people who really should have uh, stopped and said, wait a minute, this is crazy, or the, or, and I'm going to call them this, idiots who sold shares in a company because they believe in an unsourced, anonymous uh, report of, about a report on, an, uh, on a, uh, a site where anyone can post anything. And nonetheless, for all these fits and starts, these are, gr these are great ideas. The Fort Myers, Florida newspaper asked its readers a year or two ago to help investigate a local story, uh, a local political-slash-governmental issue, and got fabulous results that led to investigative reporting that led to changes. Right. If people would just wake up in the traditional media business, uh, they, this, this is a, a wonderful thing, and they should do many, many other things. The the uh, the general even today the general reluctance to point outside one's own website uh, is silly. The uh, in fact counterproductive. The the uh, something I do when I visit <clears throat> not just newspapers but uh, companies of of all kinds who want to understand media. I, I say, well, okay, in the community you're in physically, do this. In uh, in uh, Technorati blog search, uh, in YouTube and in Flickr, just put in the name of your community, and you will discover a parallel universe of media that you may have suspected was there but didn't really understand, and is is there. And pay attention to it. If it's it's a mystery to me, why. Newspapers and local broadcasters do not uh, create portals to all of that parallel media universe. It doesn't mean they endorse it. It doesn't mean they vouch for it. It just means they recognize it and, I would hope, celebrate it. I couldn't agree more with you on that. That's yeah, absolutely why it hasn't moved. But we'll see. That I think the pressure will be even bigger in the future. Um, hey, Dan, do you have any favorite sites you want to share? Maybe not just Doppler, which was, by the way, uh, for our listeners, was one of my 
favorite early, um, you know, citizen journalism sites, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, I wouldn't, but I, call, I I wouldn't en- call it that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I still Doppler's, enjoy Doppler's uh, just sharing your travel information with your friends and colleagues. That's all it is. That's all it really is. But I don't think it really has in more directly to citizen journalism sites. What, what is, what's on the, the top five list of, of, of Dan Gilmore? Of all sorts of things, or yeah. uh, specifically citizen media? Specifically, yeah. Um, well, all right, an example of a site that uh, I think helps set the tone for what bloggers could do, uh, and not... And, and there's, there's not that much original reporting, but it's a great aggregation and, and grab bag, and it's uh, boing boing. Yep. Uh, now, some, these are some, some of these folks are friends of mine, and I, so I, I should be careful to say that. But, you know, boing boing is uh, it's, it's brilliant, and it's pure serendipity you know, for me to find things I didn't know I was interested in. Right. Um, and and it's a wonderful, wacky great group of people. Um, what Josh Marshall did with Talking Points Memo... Yeah, I agree with you there. ...is, yeah. is, is simply brilliant and has made a, a tremendous difference to the, the world of political journalism and to people's sense that you can, you can actually do this and do it well and that uh, in the end, you can turn it into a business, and it's very important that we develop uh, and refine business models for citizen media. Uh, having said that, I don't believe there's always a for-profit business model, nor should there be. I think we're going to see a, and I hope we will see, a uh, great attention paid to this and uh, money devoted to it from foundations and others who care about their communities because a lot of the community journalism we're going to lose as the newspaper industry continues to have trouble that is likely to get worse uh, is going to have to come from people who are not in it for uh, the kinds of profits that would attract investment bankers. Uh, Though in this current Era, who knows what that? <laughs> yeah, who uh, knows what that is now? Um, hey, and uh, so people are people are looking at it, and I hope that that will become a, a real trend. So, um, again, the Knight Foundation is 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 looking at this and sponsoring some stuff, and I hope that turns into some great work. The another site that I think uh, is is quite remarkable for. Uh, what the the idea behind it, and it's brand new. And I am advising the, uh, the young journalist who's doing this. It's called Spot.us, and I it, it it's it's a simple it's a simple idea uh, that I think has great potential. And basically, he says, send uh, contribute money to specific journalism projects, uh, and when enough people contribute. When enough people pledge, then we'll, then we will pay a journalist to do the project. Oh, interesting um, idea. And now this is not entirely new, but it's a the, as an idea. It's, people have had this, but it's it's a nice implementation. And David Cohn, who's the uh, founder of the project, uh, is 
a young man we should all be watching because he's he's really quite quite remarkable. I think what Lisa Williams did at Place Blogger was showing us that blogs about places uh, were were something we should understand and, and appreciate and and develop further. Uh, I'm in the uh, transparency mode. I'm, I've been an advisor to both Spot. US and uh, Place Blogger. Well, um, we'll check those both out, Dan. We're uh, we're running out of time. It's too bad. We're going to have to have a a, a Dan point uh, two conversation. But I did want to give it. you at least a minute to tell us about the vision of your new book and when we can all expect it. Uh, I, 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 answering the second question first, I don't know. Uh, the The overall idea for the book is. Uh, again, fairly simple. It's the it, it's going to be a, a an ever evolving user's guide, and I use the word user on purpose to uh, to media to help people understand that they must be more activist as consumers and responsible as creators if if they're going to be part of a journalism. Uh, and information uh, conversation that that will have value for lots of people. So it, it's taking it's taking the old the older sen- uh, view of media literacy, which is an expression I don't like much, and I hope helping to 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 be one of the voices to to uh, expand it and and bring it into the new century. Dan Gilmore, author, pundit, teacher, journalist, and entrepreneur. Thanks a million for being with uh, us on Market Edge today. A real pleasure. Thanks for asking. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's Market Edge conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern in the U.S. to webmasterradio.fm. Until then, this is Larry Weber. Bye-bye.